podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this Monday afternoon, not only am I delighted to be joined by Jerry Taylor, we also have a deputant uh, and Asim Rabani. You are this week's Marco Tilio. Asim, welcome to the show. How are you? Brilliant. Cheers. Delighted to be on. Cheers for having me on, Paul John. Um, big fan of the show and all the, the work you guys do. So um, brilliant to be on. Just better if Celtic had given us a, a victory at the weekend to talk about. But if you said to us, if I... 5pm that we'd still be 8 points clear, we'd have taken that, so um, I'm hoping for a, a decent debut, less Henrik Larsson, more Ramon Vega. Oh, <laughs> this is this is a bizarre thing, you're right, you're less Henrik Larsson because he had a shocker, um, but you're right, I mean, after the, the game against Motherwell, we jumped right into the post-match reaction show, and I think the first, probably the first year, maybe the first couple of years, um, there was so much emotion in these Axon post matches that uh, it flowed over, and you, you know you've got that that anger and the frustration comes through. But I think um, we we come to learn how to temper that a wee bit because we've been there before. You know we've been there on the, the back of a hammering from Atletico Madrid this season. Um, but it's the frustrating draws, Jerry, that I seems talking about. And then for 24 hours to 48 hours after that, you're asking, right, how can we avoid that? Because that's the third time now, this season in the league, that I felt we could have played all day and no won the game. It was very, very frustrating. And we got another one of those against Motherwell at the weekend. Uh, Jerry Taylor, in a nutshell, what do you think the issue is? Obviously, I'm running with a Kyogo tagline today. I think that's part of the issue. Do you know something? I wrote the, the word down, scun up. That's how I was feeling with all... I'm up, it's just like a blueprint of the other draws that we've been having, and yeah. I'm abs- I'm absolutely puffed out with it now. Asim, I don't know if you know, I'm I'm quite positive in this show, and I got a lot of stick for it, right? But see, I, yesterday, if I was on that post match, no, yes, aye, yesterday, no, Saturday, I've had a busy weekend, um, so I've lost a day <laughs> somewhere. But um, it was just I threw myself there, aye, but I was absolutely. Gunner with that one because it was just caught. Even getting the penalties was like that. We're missing it. What? It's just that feeling. Now I don't want to be too harsh on the team, but we're not allowed to get excited at any point. I think now that's the way it feels. So it's yeah. like a couple of weeks of we're getting there, we're getting there, and then boom, reality kind of hits. Like we, we're nowhere near we need to be right now. We're nowhere near we need to be. And it's, I'm not worried because I've said we need to get to January. I've said it all along. We need to get to January so mm-hmm. Brendan can put his own stamp on the team and get some real quality in. He's used this word over and over again, quality. We don't, ha- we don't have enough of it. A lot of driftwood, as we keep saying. But I-, I found that a hard, hard watch. In the first half, I actually said, we're playing really well. We're playing well, but we're just, we can't unlock these defences at times, and that's worrying. And if we can't even do it with a penalty at times, that's stressing me right out the penalty situation just now. No, get it Kyogre is. Just get Kyogre on. Do us all a favour, right? Humour me. Put our best striker on the ball that you hit from a few yards away with no defenders in front of you and see if he can keep scoring. Because I'm not buying into this that he's, he shouldn't be a penalty taker. I'm he sorry, I'm not wanted to take one this season. Remember, Callum McGregor took the ball off him and gave it to Atati, I think it was. But, yeah. you know, we'll start off with that 
inability to break sides down, I see. When I look at, I'm not a tactician by any manner of the means. I, I, I observe it as a football fan first and foremost. Um, but it seems to be a carbon copy, as Jerry was saying, of some of the games this season where you're, you know you're going to have 80% plus possession. You know you're going to have all the corners and all the shots um, and the majority of the shots on target. Yet, we find ourselves up against St. Johnston, Hibs and now Motherwell in a position where we've, we've dropped six points. Um, and you then start to labour over what could we do better, what could we do different, because you know what, there's going to be a dozen games in the league this season, I seen where the opposition team, like Motherwell, are going to spend a week or two weeks in their case, basically preparing for us to you know, have this attacking onslaught on them for 90 minutes, because that's what happened. But I don't think we were particularly difficult to defend against. That's the frustration, isn't it? Yeah, as you said, and you add to that the Kilmarnock game in the League Cup, the first of them, which mm-hmm. I think, as you said, all four games in which we've not won domestically have had that same common theme, a, a really defensive low block. And what I've noticed in all the games is I've at no point felt that we're going to get that goal. And that's not like us because you look at, obviously, even the, the Motherwell away one, that was a similar kind of game where we, we yeah. managed to get the late goals. But this season, when the game gets into the second half and we're chasing a goal, I feel like... We, we do look like we're sometimes short of ideas, a bit short of creation. I think often as well, we look at the Hibs game, when we start a game slow, we find it really hard. And I don't know if it's the style of play because we play such a measured possession-based game, which is slightly different to obviously Ange is the tactic of really going fast from the off. So now it seems like the players just kind of trust, OK, we'll eventually get the goal. And on Saturday there, I'm the same as you, Jerry. I was so frustrated. Likewise, I watched your, your post-match bulletin, Paul John, and the three of you did well to, to keep pretty calm because naturally the emotions run high after after such a, a frustrating drop points. And I don't think the fact that you know the points gap has remained the same because of yesterday's result should deflect away from the fact that we, we need to sort our own performances out. The, the inconsistencies you mentioned, Jerry, it feels like we have a couple of good performances. You look at the hearts away, you look at um, Aberdeen at home, but sandwiched mm-hmm. in between that, you've got Hibs away, you've got St Mirren at home, wasn't great. Saturday was probably the poorest out of the lot. It's frustrating. Um, and, and as you said, Paul John, we need to kind of address why it is. And, and for me, it's it's twofold. It's one, I just think the quality isn't as good as it was last season in terms of the, the available players. And, you know, I guess that's something we've touched, you've touched on in a few shows and we'll continue to touch on in terms of recruitment. But even then, you'll look at in-game, are we making the right changes at times? I don't know. Taking Kyogo off, for me, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I feel like yeah. he's still your, your best bet for a goal. Um, Palma, I know he was obviously an international duty, so maybe that was the reason for taking him off. But again, I feel he's more likely than some of our other players to to be a creative spark. So there's a few things to touch on. Um, but in general, again, missing these these amount of penalties, we're not doing ourselves any favour. And I'm with you, Jerry. I think Kyogo, I know he missed one. I think it was at Rugby Park last season when we were four up after like 40 minutes. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's taken one since. And yeah, he's he main striker, so just get him taking him until he, he gets into a run of it. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Kyogo is going to be the point of discussion. I, I always find it interesting after the game, not to qualify my own thoughts on things, but just to get a diversity of opinions, Jerry. And what I do uh, to do that, in order to do that, is obviously we look at social media, we look at the WhatsApp groups, that the various groups that you're involved in, and you get a, a good cross-section of different opinions. But with Kyogo, the first thing I'm going to say, I'm not concerned about him as a player. Uh, you know, It's not as though he has overnight become a bad player. And I point to 
the Rangers game where he was the main man. He, he scored a goal that no one else on the pitch could score. His two goals in the Champions League this season have been, um, you know, in the same kind of bracket. Sublime efforts. But I don't know if we're playing a game or a, or a style of game or a shape that actually suits him. So if we start with the wingers, I thought Palmer really came out the traps uh, with, with loads of intent. He looked as though he had a trick up his sleeve. He was coming outside. He was going inside. And the gang in the first half particularly looked dangerous as well. But the types of balls they were playing, for me, were just meat and drink for Motherwell. The centre-halves could header them away all day long. Kyogo's not attacking them, never mind winning them. And what I see from Kyogo when he's at his most effective is when he has the, the licence to drop a wee bit deep, make things happen himself. He could only do that for the 20 minutes that he and O were on the pitch at the same time. It was effective because we won the penalty. You could see that he was coming into the game immediately. Um, and then the the um, hitting the byline and then hitting the front post and Kyogo's brilliant and ghosting in front of a defender, be that tight or on the 12-yard box, whatever, wherever it may be. And I don't think we're playing to his strengths, Jerry. And that worries me a bit because, you know, at this stage of the season, it's not all about goals with Kyogo, but he's been quiet in, in many games, pretty anonymous until Wo came on yesterday. And he's not getting the same level of goals as he was in the previous two seasons. Um, are we able to change? I think we need to, against Lazio anyway, different game. You know, the shape has to change anyway against Lazio away. But are we able to utilise and maximise Hugo's abilities and strengths better? I, it's been a, he's definitely not lost any ability, like you said. When you compare it to last season, he's definitely not getting as many chances because... You look at the goals he scored last season, but you also look at, remember there was a good few times we were saying about the chances he missed as well. Yeah. But we were happy because he was converting enough goals to keep us happy, but he was missing a lot. So that shows you all in all, he's getting nowhere near as many chances because we're only looking at the goals, not only the missed efforts. I'm worried that he gets frustrated at this style of playing. Doesn't he want to play? Not that he doesn't want to play because he's, he's not that type of person. You know what I mean? He might want to move away. That worries me. I think he's... No question his ability. It would be great to see if he could have the two up top with him and O. I'm a big fan of O. But maybe he will be better in the Champions League because he's going to get that little bit more space because they're going to come at us. So who knows? It's going to be an up-down one for him. He's not going to get as many goals as he's had in the previous seasons. But we've got to look at the Griffiths situation that we talked about before. He was off the back of 40 goals. Brendan Rodgers came in and said, love that, but let's share them out. But we're not getting the goals from anywhere else. That's the problem. It's like, if other people are getting them, it's not as much a problem, but it's it's not happening just now. And I'm hoping that's just because we've not got the quality Brendan needs for that style of play yet. But it worries me. And I get sad because I love Kyogo. And you know that he's sad when he doesn't score and it plays on my mind. By the way, can I just say, Asim's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yes, absolutely. Um, no, you're right. And, and the thing with Kyogo, I think it could be like tiny tweaks that, that would then start to play to his strengths. We've seen it. There's a good point coming in here from Stephen Sloan. We brought on O at half time, And I think that uh, we did see a difference. We've seen a completely different side to Kyogo's game. He was involved, as I say, in the lead-up play where we win the penalty. But for some strange reason, 21 minutes, he and O were on the park before Kyogo comes off. And I know that uh, Brendan would be looking ahead perhaps to Tuesday night, tomorrow night, and thinking, well, let's give uh, Kyogo a rest here. We've got enough in the tank to win this game. But then we go back to that one up top where the player looks a bit isolated. Um, and, you know, the, the thing again with, with myself at the weekend, it, it kind of bleeds into the midfield because I look at 
um, playing a, a defensive midfielder in games like that, I seen um, Motherwell at home on the back of our own six nothing defeat of Aberdeen, where you're thinking we're flying, albeit international break, um, created a lull in proceedings. And we play with a, a defensive midfield player, and you think to yourself, do we really need that? Can we change the shape of this team to benefit Kyogo up top and give all more games? Because it's not like a classic 4 4 2, and I don't think we'll revert to 4 4 2. But, you know, if you think about um, tomorrow night's game, we might be looking at a 3 5 2. And then you're going to get far more out of Kyogo when he's able to, he's got that freedom, isn't he, to come deep and then start to move himself. And, and it's the interplay through the centre rather than trying to get on the end of all these crosses from the likes of Palma and Yang. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a couple of things that you've both mentioned. I don't think by any means it's anything to do with Kyogo's particular form because if you look at it earlier in the season, some of his finishes have been as clinical as he's been in his, his three-year spell here. I actually think his, his finishing's got better over time. I don't think he misses as many glaring chances as he, as he maybe previously did. For me, the, the main issue is a couple of things, if you look at the, the type of goals we scored, particularly last season, they were so similar. It would be the inside ball maybe from Greg Taylor and it's the type of wingers that we were using. So obviously we had we had Jota, but often on one of the sides it would be a bad Armada and I think that suits Kyogo more because Kyogo then knows he can make that darting run and because both of those wingers like to get in behind. Whereas if you look at the likes of Yang, Palma, previously Haksabanovic, they're not those type of wingers and I think that's where Kyogo's a wee bit less effective because it's then relying on those players to maybe beat a man, find then a perfect cross, the game's slower. A lot of Kyogo's goals came from the inside through ball, cut back and bang. And we're not doing that. He did it against Aberdeen in the 6-0 game. And again, it was a typical Kyogo goal. But a lot of Kyogo's other goals this season has been his own bit of, bit of genius. You look at the goal at Ibrox, the goal at Pataudry, you know, where he's having to do the hard work and, and with a great finish. We're not putting chances on a plate for him. So for me, this isn't down to Kyogo having a dip in form. I just think we're not playing to his strengths or we don't have the, the tools right now to, to play to his strengths. Your other point about the midfield, I, I agree, especially at home in these domestic games. Do we need Thiago home and McGregor both sitting pretty deep? I don't think so. Um, I actually think Kyogo's quite a good, good link-up player. If you look at the goal against St Mirren, when O scored, again, it was a bit of, a bit of class from Kyogo and you know, with his touch and pass to him. Again, for the penalty the other day, I think he's quite good. You, you see how he links up with Matt O'Reilly. So for me, I would like to see a bit of Owen Kyogo dynamic working because I think he's got that in him. You then do lose the kind of poacher's instinct, but we have to try mm. something because the way it's going right now, we're not utilising Kyogo. We're not scoring enough goals as a team. We're not creating enough chances as a team. Um, and for me, what we're three, four months now into the season, that's a concern. It is, it is, and I, I go back to Brendan Rodgers' first tenure, and there were days like Saturday. You, you know, I remember them well um, because it's easy to to go with the high points constantly and, and that kind of you know invincible treble. But there were days, there were days where you're thinking we could play all day and not score a goal. It was very pedestrian. There was no cutting edge, and you hear all the the terms getting used time and time again. And I think that the big thing for me is I love throwing it out there and saying, right, how how can we sort this? How can we make it? Uh, different so that when we come into a game where perhaps, you know, uh, yesterday's situation where we have got a point on the board and then obviously our main challengers can go and um, reduce the deficit, we're going to have situations like that 
between now and the end of the season where we need to go and get that win. And the frustration that we had on Saturday will be even more so if we know that maybe our challengers have slipped up on the Saturday. So, you know, Brendan Rodgers is a tactician, unlike me. Um, and he was up at Celtic Park this morning, actually, when we were up doing the Wander Round Paradise. Him and his squad obviously go up there. Uh, before leaving for Rome. Safe travels to every single fan who's going over to that game for tomorrow night. I know some of them are already in there. And uh, it's going to, for me, it's, go, it's going to be an interesting uh, evening uh, from about an hour before kickoff where we get the start in 11, just to see the type of shape that uh, Brendan will deploy against Lazio. Now, I'm really keen to get the comments in. We've got well over 700 watching live this Monday afternoon. Bit of frustration, I'm guessing. But Franny, listen. Franny, this is positive. What a draw for my local team, Bucky Thistle. Will financially keep us going for a few years. I'm going to digress for a wee bit and talk about this. The, the Scottish Cup draw yesterday, Jerry. We, I love getting teams we've never played before. And Bucky Thistle, right? I mean, uh, fifth tier of Scottish football. And um, I'm thinking back, when was the last time we played a non-league club in the Scottish? Um, Whitehill Welfare, maybe? <laughs> East Kilbride. East Kilbride. Right. East Kilbride. Yes, under East Kilbride. Power, East Kilbride yeah, away from home. Very forgetful game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, right. Was that another game when Carlton Cole right. scored the worst goal ever? By the way, this is so surreal. You're saying here the dialogue bundled a goal, and I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did. So, Jerry Bucky Thistle, it's the romance of the cup. You yourself are a very creative person. You love the uh, romanticism and the theatrics of things, Jerry. Don't you just love it coming up against a team like Bucky? By the way, they wear the green and white hoops as well. Unreal. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to, in fact, is it away or home? What was Home, Celtic Park. Oh, is that, oh, so that's going to be a great occasion for them. Oh, financially as well, see what you mean. I, I've been a bit sidetracked this weekend, so I didn't realise if it was home or away, but it's amazing. And like you said in the group chat, maybe they'll be looking for a keeper, Bucky Thistle. So if there's any injuries, give us a shout. Uh, I, I, used actually... a I used to drink a lot of Bucky. If that helps, so that's ingrained on me. <laughs> see, see the thing, right? And I'm not. Have you seen the clip of the? Have you seen the clip of the the Bucky players? Sorry, on you go, Paul. No, 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 brilliant. That's, that's have you seen the clip? Of, have you seen the clip of the uh, of the Bucky Thistle players? I think they they seen they were watching the draw live, and it came through, and they're all absolutely buzzing with it. So that will be a great occasion. I'm like you. I like seeing us play new teams, and <laughs> so I, I was trying to think back as well, and I don't think we've ever played them so. It should be a good occasion. It's one that the club should maybe put on the season ticket, though, as well. I've seen someone mention that. You know, we didn't have, you know, at the start of the season, usually they put a couple of games on the season ticket. Um, it's usually maybe a League Cup game or something like Ara Friendly. So I don't think we've had that this year. I don't know if we've done it for the last couple of years, but um, I doubt that will happen. But it was it was an interesting suggestion that I've seen. Jacob like Bears romantic if they beat us. <laughs> well, Jerry, obviously last season Aberdeen going through that that tricky spell under Jimmy Goodwin and um, uh, obviously Darville beat them one nothing away from home. I mean, yeah, I think that's a brilliant suggestion. I've never seen that I seen, but I think that's a brilliant suggestion because what you do want is you want it to be a spectacle. There's been games in the past um, when we we draw a team from a lower league. Even I remember the Morton game, really poor attendance. Alawa Athletic, not a great attendance at that game. But this, for me, it's a wee bit different because you're up against a side that, as Franny says, coming to Celtic Park, uh, you've seen the reaction of the players. It's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's like that proper um, giant killer Scottish Cup romanticism that's going to be running from now until the game. And uh, you go into that game 
And I think the way that Brendan Rodgers approaches these things, he'll play a full-strength team. You know, you might not see somebody like, you know, James McCarthy's no playing. Um, You'll not get a chance. It'll it'll just be a full-strength team. And then I think back, and this is, as I said before, no disrespect to a team like Bucky, but they are in the fifth tier. Um, And if Celtic were to hit the ground running on that game, it could could be a cricket score, I see. Now, by the way, I've just set myself up to be clipped and utilised all over social media. <laughs> but it could be because the levels between, even just like part-time against Celtic, is going to be massive, right? But, I mean, that they're four divisions below us, and we could do some damage there, I think. What do you make of that, Asim? Do you yeah, think it's, we it's could? got the potential for it. Um, yeah, it's, you know, famous last words, but it, it, does have the, <laughs> it does have the potential. You know, there was... Uh, last season, I remember, I, I made a famous prediction. I thought we were going to score double figures. I said at the start of last season in, in kind of one of the podcasts I was doing. And um, I remember the day at Tannadice when we got nine and I was like, this is going to be it. But um, yeah, this season we've not obviously looked at as, as, as much of a goal-scoring threat. But as you mentioned, the, the gap in quality, uh, the fact it's a Celtic Park, a big pitch, um, you know, it's got the makings of a big scoring. Um, and it would be good. Uh, like you say, it should be a good occasion for all involved. But yeah, Brendan will take it seriously. You know, we've obviously got the Scottish Cup and the league still to play for and, and hopefully maybe a bit more in Europe. Um, but uh, as unlikely as that is, um, I'm looking forward to it. It should be, is it January? Is that when the, the Cup begins for us? Yeah. See, the thing, right, you mentioned they're Dundee United 9-0. I remember a game uh, under Neil Lennon where we beat Aberdeen 9-0 at Celtic Park as well. Mark McGee was the manager of Aberdeen. So it just shows you that you can dismantle a team even if they are on the same kind of level in terms of the uh, the league that they're playing in. You really can dismantle a team. And um, I, I know that neutrals will be thinking this is disrespectful, but I would be of the mind, Jerry. right? I don't know where Angie would be or Neil Lennon would be or indeed Brendan would be with us. I would be going for blood. Um, against Bucky <laughs> the romanticism would be out the window yeah absolutely I would and I, I would be going for it and I think that um, it wouldn't get to the point where you're like oh just you know against like uh, lesser opposition just take the foot off the gas and I go back to the Jockstein era where um, you know and before a big game often what he would do is he would organise a bounce game a, a friendly game against opposition that were levels below them just to get the players scoring goals. And some of these games were high, high scoring games because it just, you know, it breeds confidence, um, Jerry. So what type of manager would you be? Would you be going for blood like me? Would you be that ruthless, heartless individual like me, Jerry? Or would you have a wee bit more sympathy against Bucky? Need you even ask? I smell the blood for you, mate, I'm telling you. <laughs> right, so all respect to Bucky, Th- Bucky Thistle. The manager will be saying the same to them. He'll be saying, look, got to keep this the score down for the first 20 minutes or so or it could be a record we're all about breaking records at Celtic no matter who comes in our way no mercy that's what I say um, and do you know what it, it'll be a good do it for everyone as well and um, it'll be no no matter what the score line is for the Bucky Thistle players they're not going to go back and think that they're any worse than what they are it's just you're coming up against one of the top top teams in, in Europe I'm going to say it. One of the most, one of the biggest teams in Europe. But they are one of the biggest teams in Europe who are playing with like Comadred, Lazio, things like that. And then what a great occasion it's going to be for them. And I don't want to come across patronising here because I'm just using a bit of humour. But if I was a Bucky Thistle player or in the coaching staff, oh man, I'll be milking it for everything. And this is their chance as well. Some of these players on TV they yep. put themselves on the map to get a step up. So they'll, they'll definitely be getting in for it. And uh, 
I don't think Celtic will have played a team like Bucky Thistle before. So there's potential for a few clashes, put it that way. They're about to make a statement. I think so. Make a name for themselves. And, and you know, I like the idea that Asim raised about, you know, making it as full as possible in that stadium. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a great believer in the fact that you should never have an empty seat. Um, I think it was Barry Hearn that said it, you know, that Scottish football lets itself down in that respect. I know that a lot of the, the Celtic games are sold out, uh, officially sold out, and, yeah. you know, perhaps fans can't make it, etc. Um, but, you know, we should be able to fill the stadium one way or another, even if it is uh, getting underprivileged kids into the into the park and the unemployed, etc. That stadium should be rocking for the game against Bucky Thistle. I'd love to see it. And uh, although I'm predicting big scorelines, Let's just make sure we get the win. Uh, Jungle Line, I'm going to have a look at some of the comments before coming back to Asim. I want to talk about the winger situation because it's uh, wing, the winger situation is almost as bad as the centre-half one was earlier in the season just now. Uh, Jungle Line, hardly touched the ball on Saturday, did Kyogo. That's a worry. I think the biggest worry, Jungle Line, is if we continually play games where he's a bit anonymous because... When he has been on form this season, he showed us, and I would agree with us, that he's potentially even better. Because we, we spoke about um, levels, and the, the thing in the preseason that Kyogo was uh, constantly uh, you know, reminded of through Axon was the fact he hadn't scored in the Champions League for Celtic. You know, and we went back back over that old ground time and time and time again, and it was like once it starts, the floodgates could open well. He's got off the mark in the Champions League. He scored two phenomenal goals this season at that level. Um, so, yeah, I'm not believing that all of a sudden he's no player. He's signed a, a long-term contract with Celtic. He's settled here. And I just think that we need to play to his strengths because we're a much stronger side when we do that. Uh, I want to talk about wingers, Asim, and I'm going to come to you first and foremost. Uh, at the weekend, of course, we finished the game with Mikey Johnson and Marco Tilio on the park. Uh, we've got a couple of suspensions come tomorrow night. Um, does Brendan Rodgers play kind of untested players who have maybe had a couple of substitute appearances this season, like Mikey Johnson or Tilio, who's just had a few minutes on the park, or do we change the shape and we rely on the inverted fullbacks, maybe go to a 3-5-2? Do you think that's at the forefront of his mind for tomorrow night? I, I do actually, just because of the lack of options. I think you've got Yang, Forrest, and Tilio are the only three three wingers available. Um, you know, in isolation, Mikey Johnson came on and looked pretty bright. You know, I don't I don't think there's there's any kind of criticism on him. I think it's more the overall situation as to look who we're now having to rely on to to try and get us out of the hole. Is is still Mikey Johnson and, and likes of obviously not Forrest at the weekend, but Tilio. Um, I think he might change the shape. I think if he was to continue with the same shape, I think it would be Mikey Johnson. Because um, I don't know, was Forrest injured? He wasn't on the bench even, so... That was an interesting I don't know one. what his yeah. situation um If he's not available, then you'd think out of the two, it'd probably be Mikey Johnson rather than Tilio, just because of Mikey Johnson's had a couple of appearances. Tilio, that was his first. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one for both of them as well. They're, they're coming on at a time where we're chasing a game. You know, so naturally, same, similar in the Hibs away game, Mikey Johnson came on and we're chasing it, we didn't get the result. So fans will automatically associate that negative result and, and then Mikey Johnson coming on and he'll get a lot of criticism for it and, and stuff like that. But in, in terms of Tuesday night, I would I would probably try and change it up. I would go with Ky- um, Kyogo and O 
and then try maybe a, a three-five-two or, or something along those lines, and and just to give it one last go. This is our last opportunity. We've got nothing to lose now in terms of in, the group. We have to win, um, so I think we should go for it and, and maybe try something different. You know, the, the previous things we've tried haven't worked in terms of getting the results, um, and obviously we've just not got the personnel that ideally we'd we'd like for this game in the wide areas. So we then I think Brendan's quite good at that. He's quite flexible and, and he adapts to what he's got. So it would be interesting to see whether he goes with an extra midfield in there and just try and get a foothold of the game because you seen in the first game against Lazio, we, we more than matched them in terms of the, the overall territory and possession and I thought we were the better team. Obviously, it'll be difficult in Rome, but I, th- I think we'll see possibly a change of shape. Yeah, and and by the way, I'm, I'm being reminded of this. I spoke about it over the weekend as well. Tilio's not in the squad, so like um, Novroski. Oh, what? Um, these are guys that obviously won't be playing tomorrow night. So, yeah, it's even worse than we thought. But it's particularly if there is an issue before us, because he wasn't on the bench, Jerry. I mean, Marco Tilio, there was, it was going to come to the point where Tilio had to play at some stage this season. And at some stage, I'm sure we'll see Quan making his debut as well. So he was on the bench, having played for Australia under-23s, and he was drafted in, but there was no sign of Forrest. So I think, you know, the, the pre-match pressers are always a great way of confirming who's fit and who's injured and all this kind of stuff. But we might be going into that game <clears throat> with Yang, who actually uh, himself had a hamstring injury at the weekend. Forrest, who, as yet, we're not sure of his fitness. And um, Tilio, who's not able to play because he's not in the squad. So it is pushing us towards changing the shape tomorrow night. But I think that would have maybe been at the forefront of Rogers' mind in any case, Jerry, just to try and flood that midfield area and, and tighten it up. In that respect, what what do you make of that? Do you think that's the way we're going to go tomorrow night? And then it gives us an opportunity to see Owen Kilgo starting again. Yeah, I'd like to see a change, but I've just realised what I predicted for the Lazio game last week. I said we were going to win three nothing, but you did. You were feeling very positive, <laughs> even more positive than normal that day. I know. And do you know what? I'm sticking with. And do you know why? Because this is a test. This is a test to see if I'll change my mind again. Right? I'm sticking with it. It's a shame about Tilio because I've done my usual. As soon as he came on. About 30 seconds in, I was like, I love him. I think he's great. <laughs> that statue built now. Because <laughs> I generally thought when he came on, it's, he sparked. And he was, he was the only he one. He showed his pace, didn't yeah. he? He showed his and pace immediately. So I'm, I'm a Tilio fan now. Um, but I, I'm, see when you said that out loud, that he's not, I forgot he's not registered. That bro, yeah. he that there. So I don't know what he's going to do. I can't. Mate, I can never guess the squad right when we know what the formation's going to be. Never mind when we don't so I'm going to I think he's going to play Mikey Johnson is he registered yeah but see this is the thing as well Jerry. right uh, going into that game at the weekend with one eye on Lazio you think to yourself right we've already got issues on the wing because we know that Maid is suspended although he is still injured and uh, Palma is suspended because he's tallied up the, the yellow cards so what Brennan Rogers has you know decided to do is put Marco Tilly on the bench Um but it doesn't really make sense if he can't play on Tuesday night. And at that point, and I'm going to ask you, Rasim, right, because we keep banging on about youth development at Celtic. At that point, does it not make sense to have Rocco Vat on the bench? Because at least Rocco could get a few minutes in his legs against Motherwell, and at least he can play if he's needed on Tuesday night. Yeah, and if you think about it as well, if, we're, if we are playing a, a, a change of shape, we don't even have Burnaby in the, in the squad. So that's another option to play maybe as you know your your left wing fullback. So you take that option out. We really are struggling to to find players that can can play in the wide areas right now. So 
Vata, he's a, he is in the squad, isn't he? But he's just absolutely not featured at all under Rodgers. You know, mm. I know he got a, a few appearances towards the end of Andrew's tenure, but Rodgers just doesn't seem to fancy him. So based on the squads that Rodgers is picking at the moment, it, it doesn't seem like he's, he's got that in his mind. So it will be intriguing to see what he goes with. Um, but at this point, yeah, I'm leaning towards it. If Yang's fit, it'll probably... Oh, again, we just need to hear what the issue is with, with Forrest. But I think Mikey Johnson might get a Champions League start in Rome, which if you were to say that, you know, a couple of months back, you'd be like, what the hell? So it just shows you the situation that we've we found ourselves in. Um, you know, and that, that speaks to a, a bigger a bigger picture and a bigger potential problem. But if we're just looking at the here and now, look, it's, it's a game in Rome. We've got good memories of what happened last time. I think it's, you know, we can go into it with nothing to lose. But yeah, unfortunately, we, we are hampered with, with the options we've got. But for me, I would like to see... Kyogo, no, I think that for me is a must. You know, it's a must-win game. Uh, just given the lack of forward options we've got, I think get your best attackers on there. And right now, those are our two probably most potent attackers. So I'd be intrigued to see if he goes goes with that. And, and it's probably what I would like to see anyway. You know, I seem you're absolutely spot on. Last week, after uh, safe in the knowledge that Mikey Johnson had put in a player of the match performance for Ireland against New Zealand, if I was to come on any day and say, you know what, Mikey Johnson should start against Lazio in Rome. I'd have got plenty of people commenting, unsubscribe. That's what would have happened. <laughs> they would have unsubscribed. I'm not listening to this nonsense, unsubscribe. Um, we've got a good 800 plus on the live stream. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And What's your feelings about the weekend and also about tomorrow night? How is Brendan Rodgers going to line up? If he changes shape, do we have enough um, in terms of wingers to actually fill those slots? Um, or do we go to 3-5-2 and play Kyogo and O up top? Let us know your thoughts, James Daly. I feel top players will find a way to score goals. They change formations while on international matches. Kyogo will be fine. I think he will be fine. But I do think we need to uh, play to his strengths. I'm going to ask, <clears throat> Tilio's cameo, I find it unusual, um, you know, having been reminded again that he's not in the squad that, you know, we chose the game before the Lazio game to actually introduce him. When you've got Rocco, who is part of the, um, you know, what do they call it? There's two tiers to the squad, isn't there? And you've got the second tier, which is the young players who are registered. And he's one of those. Having come through Celtic's uh, academy, I mean, he's been at Celtic for a long, long time. And, you know, Tilio, OK, he's got off the mark, Jerry. But when it comes to a young player like Vata, and there's been others over the years where, you know, the, the perfect opportunity is where we have no wingers, um, and, you know, we're, we're going into a game against Lazio where, you know, what's a massive step up from even the, the youth European games that he's been playing. But if you're going to test them, you're going to have to test them eventually. And, uh, it, you know, unless he's in that squad tomorrow night, I'm going to go with Asim and say that it's clear that Brendan doesn't fancy the player. And that, that saddens me, Jerry, because I love to see young guys coming through. And he seems to be the pick of the bunch at the moment. Yeah, definitely. My worry is that this is, like you say, the perfect opportunity now for game time. And if he isn't getting it, either Brendan doesn't fancy him or Vata's let him know that he doesn't want to be here in January, that could be an option. He's went, well, if he's not going to be here, what's the point in embedding him into the squad? We don't know. Because after the Ben Doak thing, and you hear the rumours about how it all came about and how, how he might have been scunnered with the whole process and decided to move... We've had that so many times over the years with these wonder kids. So I'm getting vibes of that, unfortunately. If he's not getting a game now, I don't see him ever 
getting put into the squad. And if that's the case, he'll be chomping at the bit for a transfer because he's so well spoken of. He's spoken really highly. He does it at every level he's been put at. I'm bamboozled. There's something else in this. I don't know why he's not getting a game. Or unless that, Brendan's just going to be an absolute genius and use him as a wild card and just put him out there against Lazio and the towns are like, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, who knows? I doubt it, but hey, let's keep our options open, guys, you know? Yeah, it saddens me a bit because I think over the years, <clears throat> when we've signed a player who inevitably uh, comes in for the one and a half to two and a half million pounds, he's maybe 20 to 23 years of age, we probably don't have a great deal of knowledge about them before they arrive at Celtic Park. You ask yourself the question. So if we're asking it, the young guys at Celtic must be asking themselves the question, well, what do I need to do to get into this team here? And, it, you know, all it takes is for one to come in and flourish and then, it, you know, that kind of confidence and that momentum will bleed through the, the B team guys and the youth guys. There is an opportunity, there is a pathway to get into the Celtic side. At the moment, I can't see it. Um, and, and you know what, I see. it could well be that Brendan Rose has come in and he's and he said, "Well, who's my top six players? Um, let's get them out on loan." Rocco would have been part of that top six, I'm guessing, but he's there at Celtic Park probably because he's got a wee bit of first team experience and he's not played. It may well be that Brendan isn't that impressed with the level that we've got at that age group either. Yeah, I'd agree. Knowing knowing what we know about Brendan Rodgers, he's he's meticulous. You know, he miss he doesn't miss a trick, so. He'd be all over it, and and as you said, one of the first things when he came would be looking at who's the kind of youth pro- prospects coming through. He would have looked at our games towards the end of last season where these these boys have featured. Um, so I don't think it's you know anything other than he just does not think these players are are ready to make the cut. But then you look at some of the the players that have been in the squads and, and some of the players that we've signed are our are our own youth prospects that further behind in their development than the likes of. Quan and Holm and, and even Yang, who, who's looked bright on bright in spells, but it just it, it makes you wonder how far the drop off is. Obviously, we we don't know because we've not seen them enough, other than small little snippets towards the end of last season. That, you know, but by all accounts, as Jerry same Bata was you know the, the the top one that everyone was talking about. Um, and given how short we are in attacking numbers right now, for him still not to be making the squad, something something's up as you say Jerry and it could just be a simple case of not fancied um, rather than you know with Ben Doak I think it was slightly different in terms of that there was big big clubs obviously after him and you know he wanted a lot more game time than maybe we were willing to give him at that point and things like that so maybe a slightly different situation there but yeah I just think there's obviously Brendan's had a look doesn't fancy it and again, it just goes back to the, the age-old kind of thing we've been discussing for weeks. This is just the, the recruitment and the overall planning, you know, that we've got as a club right now in terms of, you know, forward thinking and, and things like that. Because if there's, the prospects aren't there in terms of the, the youth ranks and then we're bringing in prospects who, again, from what we've seen, some of them aren't good enough, then something needs to be addressed and we need to look at that more seriously. Now, this is really interesting because we're talking there about recruitment. We talk about it regularly on Axon. We're going into a game tomorrow night, and it's a win or bust game in the Champions League, right? Uh, we know what has to be done for us to have European football after after Christmas. It's very, very unlikely that we will. But you're going into that game, and there's a clutch of players who are not registered to, to play European football for us at this stage. So you've got Tilio, like Bernabe, uh, Novroski. Yeah, we brought in nine players in the summer and we're struggling for a winger. You know, the, the scenarios that we find ourselves in, it's it's 
bad recruitment sometimes is squad management at other times because I look at sometimes uh, the position of left back and yeah. I think to myself, will the boards back Brendan Rodgers to bring in another left back when we've got two at the club, Jerry? This is what worries me. I know that we've um, we've got Connor Hazard having left the club. He was at the club for a long, long time. Um, Vasilis Barkas has left the club. Oliver Yemi's gone out on loan. So there was a bit of a clear out of goalkeepers, but we still have three goalies at the club, three goalkeepers who will be on decent wages, Scott Bain and Benji Segrist and, of course, uh, the number one, Joe Hart. Will that prevent us from strengthening in the goalkeeper position? I think the centre-forward position is different. We're, we've really got a dearthy centre-forwards at the moment. But the the, centre, the the left-back, rather, and the goalie, which is two positions that come up time and time again, Jerry, are we going to go top-heavy and bring in the reinforcements, or do you think we'll be too cautious to do that when it comes to January? In January, I'm getting, as Kev would say, hee-haw vibes when it comes to January. <laughs> Ollie yeah. Buck, Ollie Buck vibes. Yeah. Hey, hey. No, I think I think we're going to, the left-back one, I see where you're coming from. If it's The board aren't going to bring in another player that if we're overloaded in that position and overloaded for the Celtic boards too, right? So if we, we, we need Bernabe gone, he's not getting the game time. It's going to be a case that if they can get him out, or even Taylor, we don't know. We don't know where Brendan stands on that. Is he going to get rid of both and bring two in? Certainly not in January. But I think one will go in January, one will come in left back. I agree he's going to bring another striker in. And I think we'll get three players in January from what he's talking about. I think we're going to get most of January is going to be getting rid of players, getting them off their contracts or loaning them out or, or getting them agree to rip the contract up. I don't know, but we're heavy. We're really heavy. And I think that, I think that, is that bleeding out into the squad? There's a, a lot of unhappy players. and It's not quite derailed as, as a squad yet, but is there a bit of unhappiness in the squad? A bit of, a bit of not knowing, a bit of confusion, and that's never going to get a settled squad, so we need them all gone. It fries my brain. So being amongst it all must be like, you never know if you're going to get that start. The likes of the Burnabies, the Odin Holmes, the, the Turnbulls, the three players that are so close to each other, I think, in ability, that even Brendan's like, it doesn't really matter who we use at this point. Does that make sense? Or am I just rambling? I think it's a good point. It's a good point you make, Jerry, because you know you think of the non-contributing players. Let's say there's ten in the first team squad who are not contributing, and they're turning up for training every single day, and they're perhaps in match day squads, the long squads. Eventually, unhappiness. It's like a bad apple, isn't it? I mean, you leave it in that fruit bowl, and the other ones are going to be affected by it. It's a hundred percent a good point. I think that you make, Jerry, but. Brendan has been saying from day one he wants to tighten up the squad, you know. Um, when we go into the January window, uh, people have different preferences or priorities, I seem. Where are your priorities? Because centre-forward's one that comes up time and time again. Um, and we had a, a big disagreement, I think, within the Axon group where people are saying you can't buy a third-choice player. My, my kind of take on it is you never do. You buy someone who they believe their first choice and you believe yeah. they're capable of being the first choice. If we go in, we've seen a few of the names, Fitzgarden, um, Van Hooydonk, of course, has been mentioned. Shanklin's even been mentioned. Is there a particular forward who you fancy yourself, Asim, and do you think it is a priority to bring one in? Yeah, uh, you're, you're you're right. The the squad, the balance of the squad's not right at the moment. The balance is just, you know, like you said, we've got too many numbers, there's too many inexperienced players. There's too many development players. You know, you look over the last few years, the last couple of years, we've lost Rogic, Moy, uh, Starfelt, Juranovic, Jakimakis, 
Jota, they're all, you know, except for Jota, but the rest of them are all kind of the other side of 20 um, experienced players. And we've lost all of those in the last couple of years. You know, that's leadership quality, that's quality on the pitch. And I just don't think we've replaced it. In terms of January, it's going to be really interesting, I think, just in terms of the, the Rogers board recruitment dynamics, because he can't have been happy with what happened in the summer. That's not what he signed up for. You know, I, I was there when his, his press conference in his first day and he talked about the type of profile player he wanted. He wanted a bit more power. He wanted a bit more athleticism in the team. He wanted a bit more experience. We got none of that. So I don't know what's changed from, from that press conference to now or to, to the end of that window. We didn't get any of what he would have wanted. So he's now mentioned in the last few weeks, I think, a few subtle comments. We need we need experience. We need first team ready players. He's, he's, he's slipped that in a few times now. And, and Brendan's not shy. So I think January is going to be very interesting because notoriously it is a difficult window to get a lot done. But if Jerry, as you're saying, we get three in, I think they need to be three good experienced players that are ready. Or when I say experienced players that are ready to come straight in and contribute and, and help the likes of McGregor and Carter Vickers out because you look at them and they're looking around the pitch sometimes and it's all younger project and experienced players. And that's a lot to ask on these guys to constantly be the only ones. So in terms of product positions, yeah, I've seen that debate last night. And, and for me, yeah, I think we, I'm not a fan of Shankland in terms of, I think we should be aiming higher than that. Um, Miofsky, I mentioned in the chat that I, I do like the look yeah. of. Um, I think domestically anyway, and he's, he scored a few in Europe for Aberdeen as well. I think he's someone that can take the load off Kyogo a bit because if you look right now, Kyogo started nearly every game for us this season and he's sometimes got an injury in him. He's obviously Asian Cup potentially. We need to help burden that load and obviously with, with O, I think he's a, he's a good development player as well. I, I like what I see of him. He's a different style of player, but someone who's just an out-and-out goal scorer, particularly... If we want to aim higher in terms of Europe next season, yes, maybe we should be aiming higher than the likes of Amiowski even. But it's, it's, as you said, we should be aiming for a player who thinks they're good enough and then let that competition take place. You look at when we had Dembele, Edward and Griffiths. That's probably the last mm. time I remember I was having really, three really good strikers. Sadly, it didn't last long because I think Dembele left and then Edward obviously took, took the core. So, yep, striker, left-back, goalkeeper, winger. A defensive. I still think we need about five players to really make this squad where I would like to see it. But whether that's going to happen in January, unlikely. But I still think priority-wise for me, left-back, Joe Hart will probably get us through to the end of the season now, but goalkeeper definitely for, for summer. Um, and I, I think we're lacking that Victor Winyama-style defensive mid because Callum McGregor, for as great as he is, he's a technician, he's a, he's a good footballer but he's not the kind of guy who's destructive in that midfield. And if we want to make inroads in Europe, all these great European sides have got that kind of player, and we don't. Yeah, you know, Alan Morrison spoke about that at the very beginning of the season, uh, probably on the eve of the Champions League draw, actually. That was a type of player I seen that uh, Alan Morrison wanted. I think you raise a brilliant point about experience and leadership. If you look at the players who have left um, over the last... Uh, Ange Postacoglu's last season and then moving into this season and the experience that's gone out the door with them. Near Beaton, uh, Tommy Rogic, Juranovic, Yakamakis, Moy and Starfield. That is a wealth Huge. of experience, Jerry. It's massive. Yeah. When, when, I see when you were saying it out loud there, I was like, could I, it kind of sinks in because you, you deal with them all individually, don't you? It's like, Juranovic, right, that one hurts, but it's all right, we've got AJ and Jack Amakis, all right, that one hurts, but we've still got Kyogo. But when you look at it collectively, yeah. what an impact that is. That is a huge, and the fact, right, let's look at the positives then. The fact we're still top of the league, 
by so many points. I mean, come on, we've got to look at the positive. That. But I, that's a huge hit. It's huge. Can we get it all back, please? It's huge. I take Jota back, but he was now you know, on the list. Um, yes. No, I, I think it's a brilliant point. It's a brilliant point. I'm a bit. De- I'm, I'm gutted um, that you sent me off ski because it was the one thing I've written down here for the day because I was going to speak and I was going <laughs> to stuff about Scottish football. <laughs> but Miofsky, every time I'm watching them or listening to them, it's his name constant, constant, constant. And I think he's really assured in the ball. Is it the quality that we need? Like you say, I'm kind of torn because he's good in the league. He, he scored some goals in Europe. He, he gets right in about it. I think he's got that experience. However, do we we need to get someone go for someone that's better than Kyogo because that has to be the like the way we do it instead of going right. We've got a great striker now. Let's find someone that's just a wee bit yes. no as good as him. Thing it's got to be like you said that's him. It's got to be let's go for top quality, top quality. Who's better than Kyogo? Who is better than Kyogo? That's that's a tough thing that we can afford. So I uh, it's a bit of a, a headache when it comes to that. But luckily we've not got the job of having to scout them. And when you try and bring in when you try and bring in players of a of a similar quality to Kyogo or, or of that level, it'll raise his game, you know, because suddenly he's got that competition yeah. where he knows he's not guaranteed number one. And that's what healthy competition, that's what good European squads have. They've got competition in every position where you're raising each other's game rather than right. Callum McGregor knows he's a guaranteed starter. I know there's been chat about him recently and I'm still on the side of, you know, like I still think he's a he's a key key player for us, but he needs a hand, he needs help, he needs help in there. Um I seen in one of the comments someone mentioned Iwata. Again, we've not seen him other than when he came on against Hearts and I think it was one of the home games. Can't remember if it was St. Mirren or Aberdeen, but looked really sharp as well. But we, we mm-hmm. don't see these guys getting a run. Bernardo comes in and comes out again. So nobody's really staking their claim to 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 make that position theirs in the middle of the park. But in general, both of you, you're absolutely bang on. We should be looking to aim to find players of an equal, if not better, standard than what we've got. That's the only way we're going to progress. Rather than look at it, like second choice striker needs to be a wee bit less than Kyogo, third choice needs to be a wee bit less than that. It doesn't work like that. Get players that are going to bring the best out of each other. Again, you've made a brilliant point there in relation to that midfield Jerry, jersey. No, Jerry, I'm looking at you, Jerry. That's why I said Jerry. Okay, I'll- I'll take that. <laughs> the midfield jersey. Um, since Hatati has been injured, no one has claimed the jersey. You know, we've had games where home started, Bernardo, Turnbull. No one has stapled it down and said, right, I'm your man, pick me every week. And, you know, I think they've all got qualities. I mean, and I'm going to ask you the question before the end of this particular show, who's going to start tomorrow night? Because I think that's up in the air. Who gets that jersey tomorrow night? I know that, Brendan Rodgers has picked Bernardo at times in the Champions League, Jerry. He never featured at the weekend against Motherwell. You bring on David Turnbull, and when you're playing David Turnbull, you're basically playing him for his offensive qualities because he doesn't have any of the defensive uh, abilities of some of the other players like home. I think home and Awata have got the defensive qualities that Turnbull doesn't have, but Turnbull can turn a game on its head with one strike out of nothing. So I think each of the players have got elements to their games that you can understand why they're, they've been rotated um, in Hatati's absence. But who do you play tomorrow night, Jerry? I think it's going to be a big dilemma, actually, for the start in 11. Who gets the third uh, midfielder's jersey for you? McCarthy. No. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I'd go for Bernardo, just because his he's performance is so far in Europe. I quite liked him. You try to open your can dead quietly there. Paul John it's actually, it's a captain. It's a captain oh, with, with a lid. With a lid. On, the Capri Suns this morning, or? 
Milkshake. Milkshake, <laughs> nice. I think you were grimacing at my answer. But you were actually just trying to be quiet, right? But Mado, I like him. I like him. Um, I don't see Turnbull. But I think I think we're going to be hitting him on the break a lot because it's going to be have to. I think it's going to be a night of gladiators at the back and then just trying to sneak a, a goal or two or three for my prediction to come true. But I, I'm going to go with Bernardo that he's going to pick tomorrow. I think I don't have a reason for it. I'm just guessing, Bernardo. <laughs> Well, you know, I think the, the reason I would agree with that is probably because um, he didn't start in the game that Hattati was injured in, obviously, against Lazio. Mm-hmm. But I think Hattati was out within five minutes of the game. Bernardo ended up playing 90 minutes uh, because the game ran on for a wee bit. And then, obviously, he was chosen for the uh, home game against Atletico Madrid. So I, I think that he's in. He's definitely in with, with a shout. Um, again, though, I, I'm going to go back to Rocco as well. And I'm going to say that um, the reason he's not in the squad won't be down to the fact that he doesn't want to be at the club because the information I've got is that he definitely wants to be at Celtic. He's not been agitating for a move. He wants to sign a new contract. He's not been offered it. He's not signed anything because of that. Um, and maybe Brennan Rogers does, doesn't think that he's at that kind of level of his career when you consider that we brought in three wingers at the you know in the last transfer window and he's not up there um so Yang and Tilio and Palma have leapfrogged him you know in one transfer window and it you know he's going to be feeling a wee bit for me uh, I think he's lost a bit of momentum because he was getting into the scores under Ange Postecoglou um how many of those should be ahead of him that's that's something for me that you know we could debate because I think Palma's proved that all right he is a, a quality player. Um, the other two, I'm not so sure. I'd love to have seen what Rocco could have done in the games leading up to, to this one. Um, so you're going to go for Bernardo, Jerry, and uh, what about yourself, Asi? Where do you see us going tomorrow night alongside McGregor and O'Reilly? Bernardo seems to be his favoured choice in Europe, based on, as he said, he was their instant replacement for Hitachi, and I thought he played really well in, in that game. The Athletic Madrid away game, nobody really played well, to be fair. Um, so I don't think we can lay blame at him. Home hasn't really done enough for me in the last two games. He's, you know, I, I like the look of him at times. I think he could be a, a prospect. I know that word is, is it, is it which which word is it that's banned? I'm sure I heard project. Is it project? Project. Prospects allowed for now. <laughs> but I feel, um, I feel with home, he's not done enough to cement his place in the last couple of performances. I think Iwata, it could be a game for Iwata, but again, he's just not featured, so it would be another one just totally out of the blue. Turnbull, as you say, I think he'll be someone that you might bring on if we need a need a goal, um, just because he doesn't offer enough defensively. So for me, it's between Bernardo or... Personally, I would I would like to see Iwata given a goal, but I, just because of his lack of game time recently, I think he'll go with Bernardo. But again, I could say the same for him. He, he didn't feature at all, did he, in, at the weekend? No. Um, it, I think that, you know, therein lies the kind of problem right now in terms of the bigger picture is we, we don't really have a consistent lineup, you know, in terms of, you know, we're throwing different names for different positions here. And, and that's kind of the way it's been this season. Um, I agree with you, Jerry. The positive is we're, we're, we're doing fine domestically. We're top of the league. The season's kind of gone how I expected in terms of when that window shut, when the the transfer window shut, I looked at our squad, I looked at the balance of it, looked at the quality, and I thought, you know what, we'll have enough domestically, but I think we'll fall short in Europe. And what we've seen is pretty much that. You know, we've, we've been short in Europe. Domestically, we're doing enough to get by, albeit I still feel, you know, we can be playing a lot better. Um, but, 
you know, if I'm going down the route of your kind of positive thinking, Jerry, I was actually trying to work out this morning the permutations. I think a 2-0 victory tomorrow night puts us in a really strong position to potentially still get Europe after Christmas because I think that would put us um, ahead in the head-to-head of with Lazio should be finishing the same points and they've obviously still to go to. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I was just looking at it that we're not totally ruled out yet. So... Um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's the real prediction of yours, Jerry. Get ahead of yourself, mate. It's allowed, right? So, Monday motivation. I've had a dream twice, right? That we finished on seven points in the Champions League and got through it, uh, stayed in Europe. And twice? It's weird. I'm well, telling you. Well, seven, it's not beyond us. Seven can it's get us through, us through to the last 16. Seven points can get us through to the last 16. If, 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 if we win our two games, I think, by a couple of goals, and then Atletico Madrid win theirs, then I think we're, yeah. we're through. I think... Well, my dream, my, dream, my dream said Europa League, mate, so I hope you're right. Well, listen, stranger things have happened. Uh, but when, when we look, the, the name Mayofsky came up, not because we wanted to talk about um, anyone else, because this is a Celtic state of mind, but with regards to the game yesterday, so Rangers go into the game and obviously we have extended our lead at that point by one single point, but they're thinking, right, we can claw this back, beat Aberdeen. <laughs> And I was watching that, the progress of that game with interest, as a lot of Celtic fans would have been doing, because that's what it's all about. That's, you know, if you're a football fan, you keep an eye on the opposition. Of course you do. And they're winning one nothing. And then, obviously, there comes a point on social media where everybody's doing the penalty bingo. Everybody does it, right? Because we're thinking there's going to be a penalty. It's a matter of time. And the penalty comes. Now, I want to ask you guys, right, in the most balanced form possible, let's say it's a penalty. Let's say, right, that's a tug of the jersey. Therefore, by the rule of the law, that's, that's resulting in a penalty. If we're all going to accept that, even though I think you went doing like a ton of bricks and it was a dive, there's a pull of the jersey, you see it. And this week, the SFA have said that every single decision that has gone against Celtic and has been looked at by VAR has been correct. That's what basically we've been told this season. And I'm looking at that jersey pull and I'm looking at the Jersey Pools against Ross County, and I'm thinking, right, so where's the differential? What, what, why is that different from our one? And that's the thing that gets you frustrated, Jerry. It's not like paranoia, all right, they're against us, they're, they're for them. It's the consistency of that decision. I mean, that shot pool results in a penalty, right? 94th minute of the game, Tavernier scored, I don't know how many penalties in his career, 50-plus, I think. It's a phenomenal kind of record, right? But if you're going to be given that many many penalties, you're going to score a few of them. But my point is, I've seen jersey pulls on Celtic players in the last few weeks that have not been given. And I think that's the biggest frustration, Jerry. And I mean, listen, I heard Barry Robson saying something similar after the game. He wasn't referencing Celtic decisions, he was referencing his own team's decision. But it's just frustrating for everybody, isn't it? Where it looks as though the, the rules are applied, but only when... It's when it's going to benefit Rangers. Exactly. It's, they're, they're, they're pointing at the things, right? Okay, here's the decisions that went against you. They were right. It's, it's not the decisions that went against the, the ones that he's flagged up. It's the ones that he's haven't flagged up. You're picking out, when it comes to their games, it's it's a case that, you know, one of those scanning robot, killer robots goes, dee, 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 just scans. That's what they do in the Rangers box now. They're just like, boo, 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 let's find something. And then they always find something. Whereas it's just that, Nah, it's all right. If you go back through the games, yeah. VAR, people that did this, go back through our games and just really look for the ones 
the shirt pools that we could have got that you haven't looked for. That's the one that's is, is annoying us because, aye, most of theirs are penalties and most of the ones that would have been flagged up for us were penalties. Ones that we've probably not even spotted because how many times has there been a goal and you think, right, VAR's not even going to intervene, but it does and you go, wow, we'd never have seen that. Nobody would even picked up on it. So I, you you know my that, my whole stance on it, and uh, it's, it's, it's doing my head in. But it's as if we're just learning to live with it. It's like Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> I mean, we're just like, yeah, some folk are like VAR's great. No, nah, I can't wait to get rid of it. But then it's never going to get rid of the the deep rooted problem, is it? No, I see. What's your take on on uh, the point yeah, over was, the weekend? Yeah, I was watching the game live yesterday and. You know, as soon as as soon as you knew that they were checking something, you're like this is going to be a penalty. My my take on the actual incident is there was a slight block um, on the defender as well from 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 Lammers, I think it was, which obviously they yeah. didn't deem enough. But in isolation, it was a it was a tug on the jersey. He gave the ref a decision to make. So my issue isn't so much with the fact that the decision was a penalty. It's as Jerry's saying, you just know that any kind of similar instances will be given a penalty for certain teams, but. The, the take-home from yesterday was the guy behind the VAR, I think it was Dallas, was the same one who was, when we were at Dingwall, the one, the, the tug on O, and he didn't seem it necessary to send the referee to go and have a look. I just don't get that. They're both the same incident. It's a tug on the shirt. So if he felt the referee should go and have a look yesterday, why did he not feel the need when, when we were in Ross County? And it was the same decision. And that's where you mentioned the inconsistencies. And it's just wee small ones throughout a season that add up. But it's always in the favour, it seems, of, of one side. Um, and it's just baffling because it's the very same guy behind the VAR who, who chose to ignore one decision, but yesterday felt, OK, go and have a wee look. No, you're right, you're spot on. And that's the frustration. That is the frustration that I felt. And yet, Barry Robson was talking about the block yesterday after the game. He was very frustrated. He went up and spoke to the referee. I don't think the referee was uh, too keen on listening to him. Now, Raymond hadn't. Raymond, let me know in the comments. 1989, Victoria Park, Bucky Thistle played Celtic and it was a centenary game. Now, I think, right, there was definitely a game where Billy McNeil couldn't make it and uh, for whatever reason, I think maybe Celtic were playing somewhere else or, or some something along those lines and he sent Neely Mockin to manage the Celtic side and Neely Mockin managed the Celtic side and I, now that you've mentioned it, I think it might have been that game. And during that particular game, somebody took a camcorder and filmed the entire game. And uh, I'd love to see that. I'd love that to be up on YouTube, especially now that we've drawn Bucky Thistle again. If there's any possibility of somebody within the club having filmed that game, there will be a VHS tape somewhere in somebody's loft that will be like gold dust right now because it will be the only kind of televised footage previous to this draw that Celtic have played Bucky Thistle. So... Tell them to dig it out, Raymond, if indeed it does exist. Listen, we've got a massive game tomorrow night. I've really enjoyed uh, your debut, Nassim. You're welcome back next Monday or any other day of the week that you're available. And uh, we're going to enjoy tomorrow night's game. There is a chance that we're going to have European football after Christmas. We're going to, not in the best circumstances, it's got to be said against uh, Motherwell, but what can we do differently to get... Kyogo back into the swing of things and also to break down these stubborn defences that uh, have thwarted us a few times this season. Let us know in the comments section if you want to come along and see us with Johan Mialbi next month. It's the 18th. It's at Gracie's and there's a few tickets available. The ticket link is under the video. All that's left for me to say thank you again, Jerry Taylor and Asim Rabani for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. 
Social Podcast Network.